I'm Randy Rohde, and I'm fascinated with entrepreneurs and small business owners. Plus, I love baseball. Every show, I sit down with a small business owner, and we discuss their running the basis of entrepreneurship. We throw the ball around on strategy, management, execution, and innovation. Plus, a little fun baseball talk. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Settle in, grab your Cracker Jacks, and you know what they say. Play ball! Okay, it's a great day for a ball game. And today, we are stepping in again into our world of experiments and continuing with our random show. And I do have to say, I'm very thankful and uh, humbled that our guest today actually appeared on our second show ever of the podcast. And that is Phil Rankin. This was way, way back in May of 2020, right? It's, that seems like a universe like ago. A decade ago. <laughs> yes. But Phil Rankin, CEO of Evenmix and the Triad Group and a another farm boy to join me here in the studio. And I, I brought him in. Evidently, it was out snow blowing right before he came into the studio. It's just, it's too exciting. You know? It's it's nice and chilly outside. Yeah. You can move the snow. It, it feels good. It feel, I don't know. I always enjoy that. It feels good to move the snow. It feels I, good to clear off the drive. You know, that's funny you say it and, and put it that way, because I agree. There's a piece of me that's like, I don't know, I kind of like you know, having like moving the snow and seeing the concrete underneath, I get a weird satisfaction about that. <laughs> I, it's an odd, I, my family are like, why are you moving that snow again? I'm like, I, it, it just feels good. It's what I want it to be. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a nice crisp day. It yes. Crisp. I'm getting exercise. I've been hearing people talk about, oh, you know, people aren't clearing the sidewalk. Oh my gosh. Kids walking to school. I'm like, you know what? My street is going <laughs> to dominate. I'm like, you're going to be totally clear. My street is good. Yeah, that's so funny. And I was going to ask you, because we're kind of along this vein. So growing up on a farm as well, I grew up in Nebraska on a farm. You're from Iowa. And, you know, we're kind of friends still, regardless of the competing states. Still. Still. <laughs> But do you, you know, when I talk with people and like, hey, how's it going? What's what's new? Blah, blah, blah. As a farm boy, inevitably, I say something or comment about the weather. It's like it's almost just like ingrained in me. And I don't know why. It's just like, well, you know, hey, it's cold out. We're dealing with the snow. It's a beautiful blue sky or whatever. Right. I, and I don't know if that really is just farm boy or if that's just my quirk I, you know, but well yeah i'll tell you something and i i just i realized this when i started in my career you know like i lived in chicago after i went to university and and one thing i realized that really surprised me that i miss is when i was growing up in iowa you know drive and we'd drive like six miles into town to school i always knew what season it was, of course, because just you could just tell by looking around the right, way plants right. were. And not only what season it was, but where exactly you were in that season. Yeah. Because I'd drive down the road. It's like, oh, yeah, the corn's about 11 inches tall. It's like, must be the middle of June. Yeah. You know, knee high by the 4th of July. Yeah. That's the corn. You yeah. know, and then it's like, okay, it's it's about October. 
they're not quite harvesting yet, but they're getting ready. And you could just, you could feel it in the air. You could feel it right, in the air. Right. You can see it in the plants. I, I do definitely miss that being, you know, among the plants, among the crops, because you really, you felt it. You didn't, you didn't have to have a calendar. Right. I didn't need a calendar whatsoever. Of course, you know, you could say, well, Phil, you don't need a calendar right now. It's right, wintertime, right? Right, yeah. We got snow. <laughs> and this time was always kind of hard to tell. But summertime, fall, spring, I knew exactly when it was. Right, you could right. just feel it. Yeah. You could see it. Are you that way with directions as well? I'm really bad at street names. I'm like directional. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm horrible with street names. Like if somebody, like my wife says, that, well, it's over on, you know, Mill Court or wherever. I'm like, where's that? Right. Right. <laughs> not, I've lived here 15 years. I don't know where that is. Well, Tell me, is that south of us or what? Yeah. Yeah. Directions to our house used to be like, you know, take Highway 169 south until the road takes a hard right. Yes. And you see a barn right in front of you. And then you take the next right. Yeah. And then you keep going until you see three blue silos on the left-hand side. And then you take a left. Yeah. You know, if you smell, if you pass the pig farm, too far. Right. You know, so see the three big blue silos, take <laughs> yeah. a left. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. And I know you have a, uh, a daughter that's a, a grade older than my son, I think, or maybe even older than that, actually. So you probably have gone through this, but my son now is 16. He's out driving, not on his own yet. He hasn't gotten his license yet. He's still going through the driver's ed piece, but we'll go out driving and I'll let him drive. My theory is with him, and I've had this since he got his permit last July, which is I want you to drive as much as I can get you behind the wheel. So anytime I'm in a car, you're going to drive because I, it's just you get better with more experience. It doesn't right. just happen, right? So, oh, yeah. But then when we're out, and I'll tell him, we'll come up here and I'll say, all right, go, go north at this light. And he's like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, a yeah. few, few comments on that. Yes. Directions, like as far as north, south, east, yeah. west, totally lost on them. They, they really oh, have to gosh. think about it. Yeah, yeah. As well as, you know, reading a clock. But, you know, that's another subject. <laughs> so there's one. Here's a real quick story about driving, if I can. So growing up, so my mom was at a meeting in Minneapolis, and we just lived outside of Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, my dad used to every once in a while let me when I was, and I was probably like, you know, 13, 12, sit in the passenger side and steer. Oh, yeah. Steer the wheel. <laughs> so this is like a Friday night. You know, he'd been working all week. I get it now. Yeah. He was dead tired. So, and uh, we get in the car, my dad, my sister, and I, we're driving out to Minneapolis. It's like a three-hour drive from Des Moines area. So we're driving up. I'm listening to, of course, like, the Star Wars like movie on a tape, <laughs> listening to that the soundtrack, or, yeah. yes. uh, not 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 the music, like the entire oh, movie with the oh, yeah. dialogue and Just everything, like the audio. Oh, because, that's hilarious! Right, I couldn't. I didn't even know it. that that was available. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So listening to the movie, sitting in the driver's side, steering on Interstate 35 North, uh, and it's and it's getting late. It's like nine o'clock or something, and. My dad's asleep. He <laughs> fell asleep. My mom's super pissed about this when she found out, of course. Who's who's controlling the gas? Are you doing the gas? Cruise control. Ah, okay. So, you know, there's there's not enough cars on okay. the road. So we're cruising <laughs> along 60 miles an hour. I'm steering from the right-hand side. And then I finally had to wake my dad up. I'm like, Dad, Dad. I'm like, we're getting close to Minneapolis. Like, there's, <laughs> there's some cars coming. Of course, I didn't 
you know, I didn't say anything to my yeah, mom. Sure. My, my sister told my oh, mom. Oh, yeah. My dad got in big trouble yeah. for that one. And that's a that's a classic story yeah. in our family. Oh, sure. Never fails. If the, the, if it's just between you and your parent, you can, good chance you can probably contain it. If there's right. another one, forget it. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 yeah. no, no way. And yeah. I, yeah, same thing with my kids. Yeah. I take them to, you know, this isn't being recorded right. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, just yeah. between us. Yeah, just between you and me. Oh, yeah. I take my kids, you know, and they're like 12. I take them to a big parking lot, sure. put them in the driver's seat. And it's yeah. like, all right, you drive. And they're like, yeah. aren't, you, aren't you nervous? I'm like, listen, you're not stupid. You know, you understand mechanics reasonably well. You're, you're not going <laughs> to kill me. You're definitely not going to kill yeah. yourself. Right. Like, let's drive around a little bit. You need to get a feel for this. Right, thing. right. Yeah. You need to understand yeah. how it works. I mean, you need to fail. I mean, don't run into anything. Right. You, know, you need to, you need to get a feel of how it works. Yeah. So I, you know I, where I, the break is, yeah. right? So that's, that's yeah. important right there. I, you know, that's funny you even say that because I think when Nick was uh, 13, I took him out to the uh, Geauga fairgrounds and the way that that is laid out, they've got like roads. And so I'm like, just pretend we're out on the street and you just drive. And so we would just, I'd, since then I was out having him do that just to get yeah. a sense. There was nothing out there. And so I was like, what, you're not going to hit anything and right. you, know, you know the break. So just right. stop if you're <laughs> unsure oh. of anything. But I was like, the only way that you're going to be a good driver and where I feel that you're safe and you know what you're doing is if you just have hours and hours and hours and hours of experience. Right. And first snow we had this winter, like, let's go. Right. I took him out in the parking lot, like, all right, hit it go accelerate, see what happens. Yeah, and we got speed and I slam on the brakes and just, <laughs> right. to, just to, so that they get a sense of, you know, inclement driving. Yeah. What's the way they what, learn? I mean, yes, if they're like yes. driving the way it's yeah. supposed to be all the time, then it's like, well, they're never going to, they're never going to hit the brakes and slide. Yeah, I know. So then when that happens, I mean, they'll then they freak know out. Right. So it's like, great, let's, let's yeah. have some let's, fun. Let's do let's, some stuff. Let's do a little controlled freak out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. yes. So for my wife who grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, it's like they had to pretty much play by the rules. And so I'm like I know. 180 degrees different. It's I like, am too. Listen, babe, I'm like, we were on tractors and we were like eight years yes. old. It could have killed ourselves and yeah. many other people. Right. We weren't idiots, you know, and we learned to respect the machinery and how well, to use it. Yes, so. and that's the big piece right there, respect the machinery. Yeah. I will tell folks, you know, Phil and I are just sitting here in the nice, cozy confines of the studio, and I got a little of our favorite bevy, poured us three fingers of some nice hundred proof here. Right on. Just to see how, I don't know, I'm feeling toasty anyway. feels good. I feel warm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Phil, a CEO of Even Mix, what's new in the world of mixers? You know, so we, we did a lot of product development last year. 2021 is a big area of product development for yeah. us. And yeah, so we've been getting into just a lot of new markets. Farming is big for us right now because they buy a lot of chemicals, you know, before the end of the tax year. And and then a lot of them start to thaw out and they're all right, separated. Right. They need mixed again. They yeah. know they need mixed. And how are you going to do it? Well, it's a lot easier with our equipment. That's right, what right. it's built for. So I found a lot of that. You know, we've we've got a lot of video content out there, a lot of written content, and it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, 
I have my bachelor's in accounting, my MBA in economics and finance and stuff. You know, yeah, I grew up on a farm, so I kind of have, I don't have any kind of formal engineering degree, but I understand machines. I understand, I understand and respect them and how they work. And I've gotten to know so much about mixing just by talking people and doing it on our own. People call me up now. I mean, pretty smart people call me up with their mixing challenges and such. And and they're like, you know, yeah, I'll say, well, you know, we have this. You could watch this video. They're like, yeah, I've watched it. I've watched that. I've read this. <laughs> they're like, Phil, you know a lot about mixing. I'm like, hmm, I guess I do. You know, <laughs> I guess I do understand a little bit about it. So the fact that they're calling me and asking me right. questions and, you know, very early on when I was selling the product, you know, I wanted to sell it. So I was like pushing it hard. Right, you know, I right. wanted to answer yes to every question. Now I answer no a lot more. It's like, they're like, ah, oh, could I do this? And like, you know, in my, ex- I'm not going to say no, but in my experience, it doesn't work very well. So you can try it if you want, but my experience, it doesn't work very well, but here's an option for you. You know, right, you try right. this. So I find myself, you know, confidently saying no a lot more. It's like, I, I'm totally fine with telling a customer no. And if he says, oh, you know, this guy, Phil's a joker. You know, I'm out of here. It's like, okay, man, that's cool. It's like, I'll sell the mixer to somebody else. You know, I don't, I don't have to sell a certain number. It's like, I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm I enjoy the fact that they get good results and that they call me back. Like, man, this thing is awesome. It's like, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, I, for me as well, I think it's just a better approach to business as a whole. I mean, I think customers, and regardless whether you get that sale today, they're right. going to remember you and the honest feedback. And right. you know, they'll come back at you two months from now and say, you know, we talked about this, but what about this, right? Can right. you do this? And, right. You know, so I, I think it's a good way to do business. Yeah, yeah. I it's respect that. So much more fun. Yeah. So yeah. much more fun. And you really did do a lot of development. I, you know, obviously we've been working together for quite some time and this digital drive that you have out now is really cool. Yeah. That thing is super cool. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you know, I had some obviously great, you know, I I can't design this stuff myself. I have the ideas for it, you know, and I can find the right people. So yeah, the engineering for it was spot on and and the greatest thing is like putting this together just and then analyzing the market, knowing it's like, yeah, we, we can do all this stuff. They can do this. And it's not even close. Right. It makes it so much fun to sell. Yeah. Because you're like, well, you could do this with ours, you know, and, and, you know, you ought to check theirs out. You know, I'm not trying, I don't try to talk down any, any of my competitors. I'm like, you can check this out. This is what the competitors can do. And. Just like, okay, ours weighs 15 pounds. Theirs weighs about 85. Make your choice. You know, I'm just trying to lay facts out there. You can look it up yourself. Right, right. (laughs) But this is the way they work. You know, ours is variable speed. Theirs, you have to add something on. We can go to like uh, a third of the max speed. They can go, they're an AC drive. They can only go to 60%. That's it. You know, we can go a lot slower if you want to. Yeah. We have all these different capabilities. It can go, stop, go, stop cycle indefinitely yeah yeah you know and people are like what i mean the fun thing is you know and you can tell when you talk to somebody long enough it's like okay yeah randy randy's gonna buy it right here right and i'll be like and <laughs> it does this you know <laughs> yeah. and you wow know, you can do these cycles and they're right. like really right you know, it's like 
Yes. Hey, I, I'm a digital marker. And so when we were doing the stuff on the digital drive and it was coming out, I'm like, this is pretty cool, actually, what this does. You know, and I can only imagine the guys that actually need this thing. We're yeah. like, wow. You know, I mean, for them, they really get the yeah. the wow factor. Well, and the fun thing is, and I'm sure I'm a complete novice at it, is, you know, I, I try, you know, I'm an accountant. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm a business yeah. guy. I'm a finance guy, but I try to, you know, I try to do as good as I can, like thinking about the psychology of the person buying it. And, right, right. you know, I thought a lot about our name, even mix before we came up with it, you know, and there's reasons, there's reason why it ends in an X. Yes, it goes with what we do, but, you know, I've also heard a lot about, Hey, if you end things in X, you know, people like that sound yeah. and, you know, I could very easily call it the electric mixer, but that, that, yeah. mm, mm. Eh, that's okay. Well, and plus, but, you know, you, you have air and electric, so you're, right. right. But the digital mixer, because it is, it's a right. digital motor. Right. There's a digital readout. I mean, there's reasons to call it that. Right. And how much cooler it's like that just sounds like it's a digital mixer versus like oh, it's an electric mixer. So right. Like, uh. No, digital. It sounds like it's revolutionary. You know, it's in the in the. It is right. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is rocket science, as we like to say. All right. Well, that's good. That's good. Since the beginning of the pandemic, you guys have been busy doing a lot of development, which is great. The random show. So I'm going to touch back on something that you threw out there because I did have this as a, I was wanted your insights, I guess, on this. Mm-hmm. So you went to University of Iowa. Right. Go Hawkeyes. Go Hawkeyes. I'm from Nebraska. Go Huskers. And then took the John up to University of Chicago, got your MBA at the Booth School of Management. Is that what they call it? Booth School of Management? Do they say School of Management? It's just, or the Booth Business School? I don't know what they call it. I'm how sorry. Do, how University they of Chicago. It. I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not totally up. I think it's the Booth School or. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is the Booth School of Management. We'll, we'll call it that. So here's a question that I had for you. So, you know, you've done quite well for yourself. I mean, you came out of there, you had a great career. And we talked about, by the way, folks, you want to get really uh, some great stories from Phil, go back and listen to uh, show number two with Phil and Even Mix. Um, but with your MBA from the University of Chicago, one of the best MBA programs uh, in the country. I the, think it's the best. Oh, the best. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. It's certainly is. I, I think it certainly is ranked in the top five in the country. Actually, usually top three. Yeah. Okay. In, sorry. In, sorry. In, not to. Yeah. In in the world. Okay. Ah, there we go. This will be good. I'm sure I'll get some feedback from folks on that one here. And so I just did a, some quick research a little bit. So did you know that the average student coming out of the MBA program at Booth specifically mm-hmm. has a debt of just over 79,000. Now, I don't know what you, that's not the question I I'm, I'm want to point to, but so knowing people going to that school, prestigious school, you know, it's got a name associated to it. So I, I, now the simple question is, okay, was it worth it? Right. But really what I want to know, knowing your career trajectory, the mm-hmm. path that you took as in, in your career, mm-hmm. was it necessary? 
So it's different from saying, was it worthwhile? Because I love education and I don't know that I'd ever put a dollar figure on education, but it's different from saying, well, that was necessary that I needed to do that in order to what I'm doing now, which is, you know, today you're sitting in my studio, kind of three day beard on you and <laughs> wearing snow blowing clothes. It completely so. <laughs> prepared me for this moment in life. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly this, what I was aiming this for. This exact moment. Yes. <laughs> Drinking some bourbon and right. Specifically. Specifically the bourbon, I'm sure. And you know, and I, I really went all out and so poured you my $20 bourbon here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you didn't have to tell me that. It tastes like a thousand. Mm -hmm. Ooh. But yeah, great question. So, well, that's a heart, of course. It's hard for me to say what would have happened if I just had stayed at my bachelor's and right. you know, carried on. I'm sure I, I'm sure I still would have had a good career because, you know, I went back to this part-time after I'd been going to school for a while. However, I will definitely say that you know, I, I, so when I did this, I was working at a company, Amstead Industries in Chicago. Okay. So that's good. So let's kind of put this a little bit into perspective from a timeline. So you were working for a company at the time. Mm -hmm. So you didn't go directly from, all right, I just got my BA and now I'm just immediately going off to get my MBA. Right. So you took a job with a company, whatever yeah. role you were, probably, I don't know what world. Of course you're Phil, you know, you probably were like, you know, assistant CFO, you know, they brought you in, but assistant controller. There you go. Of the corporation. Of the corporation. So you were working yeah. and then you decided, you know, I should go get, or did they encourage you to say, Phil, you should go and not, not personally, not specifically, you know, the company I was working at, there were a few people that had gone to Chicago or DePaul or, you know, even, even, and the, and the company was based in Chicago, right? Yeah. Okay. E even Northwestern, right. some people go hey. there, <laughs> a little bit competitive there, but yeah, they're there. And the folks that were doing better in the company had gone to, you know, gotten their MBA at some good schools. So I, I had actually started my MBA when I was living in New Jersey at Rutgers. So real quick story. So I'd started my MBA at Rutgers. I had, you know, I was actually halfway done there, halfway done, you know, basically after oh, really? one of the classes, I was halfway done, halfway done. And then I had the opportunity, so this is right before Y2K, I had the opportunity to come back to Chicago and be the ERP project manager. Okay. So you're implementing the oh, business man. system like yeah. the world was going to sure, end otherwise. Sure. Yeah, lights are going out, folks. So Absolutely. So th those of us that are old enough to remember all that, <laughs> oh. you know, my, my kids don't have any kind of I know of all that stuff. Yeah. So Y2K, and they're like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> but it was a big deal back then. So so first, I had the opportunity to come back and like be that project manager. You know, mm. well, that's kind of like an IT, finance, you know, management thing. Great. Great opportunity. Super hot at the time. So it's like, yeah. all right. Yeah. And, you know, back at the corporate office, division office for us. So, yeah, I'll take that transfer back. So then I applied to schools in Chicago. And, of course, Chicago is like, yep, you'll start over. Uh, that's what I was wondering if yeah. you transferred and Rutgers is not a slouch either huh? for a program. I mean, you would have been, you know, well-respected to get an MBA from Rutgers, but I would imagine that Chicago probably would have said, yeah, so. They don't, they don't take anything <laughs> from anybody. Yeah. Nothing. 
you yeah. know, you start well, and you take all the classes. Number three in the world. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's so I had to really think about that, and I was accepted. I'm not going to detail, but I was accepted to like a couple other schools in Chicago, and it's like, yeah, this is University of Chicago. This is pretty serious. This is a very well respected school. I'll start over. You know, I'm I'm working, so right. luckily, you know, I graduated with no debt. It's like my employer, Amset Industries, paid for a lot of it. You know, thank nice. you to them. I mean, I worked there for like 10 years. Great company, still nice. going. ESOP company, okay, great experience. And and then I even worked for uh, Federal Signal while I was there too, and they paid for you know, so they didn't pay for all of it. They paid for part, but we, you know, Kristen and I, my wife Kristen and I, mm-hmm. we we made the decision to do the investment. So. Right. Let's say, you know, as a finance person, then what I say, well, 79 grand per se, it's like, is that, is that worth the investment of the incremental increase that you've gotten over time? Right. Hands down. Sure. No doubt. And I can tell you it's, it was. Now that, by the way, is just the average debt, not what it cost the right. program. I don't know right. what that, I didn't, I right. didn't have time to look up what the program cost back in 1953 right. or whenever you were there. Right, a couple hundred thousand, <laughs> but you know, I'll, I'll even say my very first class. You didn't hear that dig I threw in there in 53 oh, when you were there. No, I, <laughs> yeah, that went right over you. I'm sorry. I was yeah, I guess thinking you're not, ahead to my answer. You're not that bright. Okay. Yeah, it's not, a, not that, <laughs> well, you are not from, that attentive. You are from Iowa, so that's <laughs> oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now it starts. <laughs> Judging. All right. <laughs> the bourbon's so, kicking in. Yes, there we go. Uh, but it, I think you do have to kind of make some of those decisions like, yeah, hey, I'm going to put oh. in this big investment. Am I going to get the return on it? Certainly. For sure. For sure. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a decision that we made to make that investment. It was definitely worth it to right. us. And it's, I would say, you know, like I said, it's hard for me to say, I know where I've ended up. It's hard for me to say, what, it, what would it have been like yeah, otherwise? Right, right. But I don't think. I mean, at least a couple of companies that I worked for after that, you know, and I, I've had people say to me before, they're like, you know, da, da, da. Yeah. I see your background. It's like, wow. I'm like, yeah, you went to university of Chicago. You're really smart. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, sure. <laughs> sure. You could take that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. Kristen did most of the work for me, but <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, <laughs> whether I am smart or not, it's like, that'll work out over time, you know, but thank right. you very much. And I, Hey, you know, I was smart enough to make it in yeah. smart enough to make it out. Yeah. It was, it was, it was an impressive place. There are a lot of really smart people. Yes. There. Yes. Going through Two quick things going through orientation. You know, what? Where'd you go to undergrad? They went around my class of a hundred, all the part timers, and like listed off. And of course, it's like Harvard, Brown, you know, blah 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 blah. All these like Ivy League schools, and there were like a, and then a few Michigans, and I was the only uh-huh. dude from Iowa. Yeah, there was like a couple people from Illinois. You know, there was a few Big Teners, but it was a lot of Ivy League. Yeah, guys. sure. So that was that was a little bit intimidating. You know, right at that point, I'm like. Okay. I'm like, I'm cool with getting a B in these classes. You know, I'm all right with it. <laughs> so hey, it doesn't matter when you're at that level anyway. You're just like, I just got to get my degree. So whether you get a B, nobody ever asked. Did anybody ever ask you, well, what was your grade point in coming out of? Well, at University of Chicago, we have oh. a non disclosure policy. Ah. 
So you don't talk about grief. See, there you go. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Even so, see, it doesn't matter. So that's great. So that's, you know, you come out of there, university. It is an impressive school. I mean, we lived in Chicago for a number of years, and I just, I know the reputation and the people that, that I have met coming out of there. Really quality, quality people. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for including yeah. me in that crowd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess I'll throw you at that. So connecting you, then kind of staying on this education vein a little bit. Um, you just finished out your term as our local school board president. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. What was that like? Uh, Not finishing it out. I'm right. just, I, I, I missed the invitation to the party for that. <laughs> but, uh, it was small. But what was that experience like? I mean, we live, and for our listeners, we live in a small, it's it's a village. I don't know what the exact population is, like 3,500, 4,000, somewhere around in there. A school, rough, the district, I don't know, 17, 1800, something around there, give or take. So we're not huge by any means. We have, you know, essentially one school at each kind of level. You and your term on the board really steered the district through quite a few different things. We had a very large capital project voted, passed, and executed. To For us, it was 34, 3 million. 32 million. 32 32 million. million. Yep. Yeah. And, and then as well, you had the pandemic COVID, you know, hit and had to guide the district and with that. So yeah, it's a pretty big issues going on. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's, it's a four year term, you know, it's an elected office. It's yeah. a four year term. I was very lucky where when I ran, you know, we basically ran unopposed or two of us running for two seats. So that's great because the last thing that I wanted to spend any time on was campaign, you know, and <laughs> politics. I just have no, no appetite right, for right. it. Zero. So, but yeah, it was a four year term during that four years. We, the, the board of education, pretty much in every school, they have two people that report to them, the superintendent and the treasurer. Mm-hmm. And when I came in, you know, pretty shortly thereafter, we hired a new treasurer and it, it is a very different hiring. And, and well, and then, at the end, about three and a half years, we hired a superintendent. So right. we replaced both positions real quickly. It is a very different hiring process than you're used to in the normal, you know, private enterprise world. Very different. It's a very gated process. But, you know, we found because it, it, it's such a tight community. I mean, you advertise for a position and everybody in Ohio and most people in New York, Pennsylvania, you know, Indiana know about it. Right. It's a very tight community. So, and you have a lot of information on the people that apply for it, but a very interesting interviewing process. We replaced both those positions. Yes, we built a, for us, we have three, three different campuses essentially. And we rebuilt, which in our town, yeah, small town. So if you're any kind of small, medium sized town, you'll understand this. This is like the 1914 building oh, that yeah. was right in the center of town. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hmm, do you abandon the building and like turn it into condos or do you rebuild the school there? I mean, it a, so there's a lot of like hot political issues there that I'm like, hmm, well, I just, 
you ask, you know, my gut decision is like, it's the best thing for the community to have that there. You know, I just, I always try to visualize in the future. What would it be like? What would it be like if that was a condo building? Right. Hmm. Interesting. You know, what would it be like if that was offices? Interesting. What is it like when it's a school? Well, that's like that's like the hub of the town, especially in a small town like this one. It means so much to all the people in the community. So that was very important. You know, and then, okay, $32 million. So once we get it approved, it's like, all right, guys, on time, on time, under budget, on time, under budget, you know, right, right. on time, under budget. Like, did you understand? You know, <laughs> and that's the way we ran the project. You know, there, of course, there's lots of details inside there, but – we kept it on time under budget because the entire, you know, who are your shareholders, who are your investors, the entire community, sure, they're sure. all watching and they all walk around it all the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I always wondered about this actually. And uh, with that project, who essentially was the overseer or the oversight of that project? Was it the school board? Was it the superintendent jointly? Much more so like superintendent and for us, the assistant superintendent. Okay. Chris Wolfter. Yeah. So he, he was on that project all the time. Of course, the superintendent, Dr. Hunt was on it quite a bit as well, you know, but the assistant superintendent was all over it Mm. because he, he's in charge of facilities. So he was on it. The board, you know, and of course, people can take a few different positions. Strategy is on board. Okay, we're going to be a very active board. We're going to be right in the school shorts. Right, we're right. going to have input on a lot of things. My position was always like, we're a board of directors. You know, we guide, we set policy for the superintendent and the treasurer. They execute. They're there every day. I don't want to run the school. I don't. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to run the details of the mm-hmm, school. I want to mm-hmm. set the general policy, give you guidelines and let you go because right, right. you know, I've got other things to do. Like we have meetings, you know, public meetings and you know, that's another aspect that is very different, you know, I'm not I wasn't especially at the beginning, I wasn't used to public meetings. I mean, you have to say everything in public. There's no closed door sessions like right. all right, Randy, like what do you really think? <laughs> you know, there's there's not much of that. I mean, sure, you can do that one on one off. Sure, sure. Uptown over a beer or something, but you know, like not normally. So you have public meetings. So it, it was very interesting. And you know, yeah, my last two years as president during COVID time, of course, very interesting stuff. But then again, so that that's all very interesting. That was all kind of fun. But that's what a leader does. Right. I mean, all the time, every day, that's what you do. And yeah, somebody asked me, they're like, oh, you know, you've been, yeah, you've been through a lot. It's like treasurer replaced, superintendent replaced, COVID stuff. And I was like, that that's what leaders do. You know, I said, I, personally, I would have had a hard time if like, you know, God forbid, if there had been like, you know, some kind of social disrupt, you know, disruption right, right. in the some, school. Some, or, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That would yeah. be hard for me to solve. But the leadership stuff of like, okay, transition, hiring and firing. Well, that happens. You know, if you're in any kind of business, any kind of organization, people change. Right. And, you know, you have big projects and you have stuff like COVID, you know, I mean, not particularly like COVID, but okay, here's an unseen variable, an unseen right. change. You deal with it, you set the objective and you move with it and you know that, okay, I'm not going to begin COVID with like, this is our policy and we're just going to ride it all the way throughout. Uh, no, you know, 
three months in, two months in, two weeks in, you're going to make some kind of change to it. And that that's leadership. That's what, that's what we do. Yeah. I love that approach because you're absolutely right. It is leadership and you break it apart or you, you look at, and really a lot of things in life and a lot of things maybe that we might be involved in. But if you look at it through that lens, then it really kind of breaks it down and into a different perspective, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple big takeaways for me, you know, things that I, a lot of things that I learned, you know, of course, public meetings very different, but like, you know, just, just such a, uh, huge appreciation for teacher, you know, what they go through, what they sacrifice, what they, you know, personally pour into the right, job. Right. Oh my gosh. I mean, these people are so committed to what they do, you yeah, know, the craft right. of like raising your children, you know, yours and sure, mine, sure. raising our kids, teaching them to think, I mean, just incredible what, you know, the almost all, you know, like what teachers pour into it. So mm-hmm. I have the utmost respect for what they do. And, and then, you know, sure. It's like school boards face, you know, they face a challenge, you know, in Ohio, it's basically like your revenue line is set. It's set. The only time you can change it is if you pass a levy with, you know, the community. So, you know, if, and your operating expenses go up, keep going. Yeah, right. I mean, the, te- the teachers want to make, you know, <laughs> sure, of course, sure. it just, you just have sense. cost of living it increases yeah, I mean, inflation. Do, do the math. It's like sure. your expenses are going up continuously, theoretically with inflation. And if your revenue line is set, it's like, Hmm. So we need to adjust that revenue line every once in a while to be able to like, I mean, you're not right, looking right. to make a profit, but you're looking to, break even and right. keep enough cash to keep rolling. Yeah. Deliver the same level, if not better, uh, set of services that you've been accustomed to. Right. And yeah. I, I always really try to approach it like a business. Like we have customers, you know, you were one of my customers, Randy. It's like, you know, as a parent of a child in the district, you were one of my customers. So it was my job for us to make sure that we're delivering like a quality education. Yeah. You, you had to look at it from that perspective. It's, it's not like, yeah, I'm on the school board and, you know, this is this, this is the public school in the area. And sorry, you know, Mr. Rohde, you have no choice to send your kids here. It's like, this is what they get. Right. No, I mean, they have a choice. I mean, you could, even though you pay your property taxes, which, you know, fund the school, you could have chosen to like send your kids to a private school, right. choose to move somewhere else. So right. everybody, every role, every leadership job, you have customers. Yep. Yep. It's a good perspective to have. I love that. Everybody's got a customer. Absolutely. So a good experience, you would say. Yeah, it was right. good. Go ahead. If you need to take a drink of prayer, go ahead. It's <laughs> you know, good After stuff. That, yes, nice I and, do. Yeah, yeah, nice and smooth. So a good experience for you. I have a question for you. So you came out of Chicago with your MBA and you said economics and finance. Was that right? Economics, economics finance, finance, and operations management. Okay, good. So I have a question for you in regards to kind of in this finance economics venue a little bit, right? Just your opinion is what I'm looking at here. Crypto. Do you give it any thought? Have you looked at it? Opinion on crypto from your booth school of management background. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, what do you think about crypto? They're not they're not gonna like this. I mean, I, I don't have a honest quite honestly, I don't have a negative opinion. I don't have a super positive opinion. I mean, I think it's I think it's very interesting. So, like digital currencies. I mean, sure, that really 
Now, there's difference when you're saying digital currencies because, one, there's a number of countries already that have digital currencies. So it's different because that's still essentially a, a, a local fiat for them. They still control it. Our government, U.S. government, is investigating, we'll say, entertaining thoughts of having a digital currency, their own, you know, and ultimately who knows where all of this, you know, 15 years from now, we may all just be paying for something with the chip instead of oh, yeah. any kind of currency. I mean, we essentially do it with a credit card, but right. You know, yeah. So I would say, I mean, so but it's I, different from like crypto. So saying a, a decentralized blockchain, right. Transaction, transparent, completely off the radar or not off the radar, but off scope of uh, government controlled fiat. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you ask a very interesting, a very complex question. Yes. But as I wanted to get your, you know, so unfortunately I'm going to give you a very simple answer. (laughs) I would have expected that from the farm boy from Iowa, but all right. You're you're welcome. You're welcome. So, yeah. So hopefully you're not disappointed in this answer. So, and, and Kristen will definitely attest to this. So, Phil Rankin lives on what I call the efficient frontier. So in investing, I love this. I love that phrase, <laughs> the efficient frontier. Yeah, I'm gonna write that, that down. down. That's trademarked by. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in in finance, you learn about the efficient front of investing. Basically, you know, right. it's like okay, if you're gonna invest in like U.S. savings bonds or something, okay, what your interest your interest rates, your returns gonna be super low. No, I just grabbed the Treasury Series I bond <laughs> at 7.12%. Okay, well, okay, except for that one. <laughs> but it, what I'm basically painting is like the risk return. Sure. So risk return, you know, versus you invest in small companies, theoretically your return is going to be high, but your risk is also high. So there is this efficient frontier where you've got risk return. And I, I kind of in... I apply this in several areas of my life. I like to stay just inside that. I don't want to stay right on side, right on the edge of the frontier. I don't want to stay outside of it. You know, for me, it's, it's an investment of time. It's an investment of thought. At the end of the day, we only have so much time, right? Only so many years, so many weeks, so many days, so many hours. So I really look at how I invest my time, you know, and what's going to make a difference at the last day of my life, what am I going to think about? So this seems like a real departure from crypto, but all right. All right. So bring it in, connect the dots. All right. So it's like, I can, I, you know, and I, I know it's like, okay, I guess you could say, okay, he went to university of Chicago. He's probably smart enough. He could figure it out. Yes. I I'm confident. I'm confident in myself. I could figure it out. Yeah. I could figure it out. I could understand it. I could decide what I'm going to invest in, which of these, cryptocurrencies, you know, where I'm going to go with it. For me, I don't really think about it very much. I'm, I'm waiting until it gets flushed out of ways. Then I'll, then I'll pick it up. Then I'll figure Mm -hmm. it out. Because right now it's like, I would have to, I would have to like 
think about it so much, you know, and look at it and decide all these different things. And I'm like in, in a culture index, if anybody's familiar with that, I'm a tech friendly tech expert. So I like to understand things before I jump into them. I like to understand, you know, like cars, I like right, to understand right. the mechanics before I jump into things. So before I would invest in cryptocurrencies, I want to want to understand the economics of it. How does it work? What are the flows? What's the supply right, chain? What right. are the risks? You know, I'm not going to have to flush it out completely, but I'll want to understand it pretty well. So for me, it's it's very interesting, but it's like, I'm sorry, but it's it's going to be one of the last things that I invest my time in because I get so much joy and so much value out of, you know, A, kicking butt in my business, sure. you know, and, and so let's go through priorities. It's like, <laughs> okay, yes. I am a, the last day of your life. What was that phrase that you said? On the last day of my life, I'm going to, you know, these are the things that are going to be concerned about. Right. But every every day, really. Right. And, you know, I gave the same speech to the Boy Scouts a while ago, and they, you know, they didn't seem too interested because they're, they're too young. But, but so what, what are my jobs? Every single day that I get up, I am a father. Well, I'm a, in order, I would say I'm a husband, father son and brother and you know then I'm a business leader and I'm a civic leader and you know we can go on from there but those are at least the top three those are Mm -hmm. my jobs Mm -hmm. in order every single day so I would far rather invest my time in those three and cryptocurrency is going to be like okay yeah Friday night eight o'clock yeah yeah, you know, a few I'm more bourbons. <laughs> then, I'll, then I'll start kicking around. It's yeah. going to be kind of for folly. Just so. a conversation. So I'm, I'm a very simple guy. It's like I like to really prioritize and focus on things that right, are going to make right. a difference to me. You know, me and and those priorities in order. And yeah, cryptos. I'm sorry. Just on the. It's down there. It's down there. It's not. It's not crossing the the bar yet. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm interested in that kind of stuff, you know, and, and I'm also Chicago taught me a lot of this stuff. It's like I, I'm very interested in arbitrages. Mm-hmm. You know, let's see areas where I I see disconnects in value. It's like right. wow, so I can invest or I can borrow at this, and I can achieve this. You know, so there's a spread in between the two. And in my mind, it's like, is it worth the risk, you know, or what is the risk of that? I assessed, what is the arbitrage? Right, what is right. the risk? And how much am I into it? And there are a lot, lot of people that are very interested in cryptocurrencies and, you know, trading and all that stuff. I mean, me and, and I'll tell you, so this goes back to Chicago. I took an investments class there and I thought, man, when I get done with this class, I'm going to be able to invest my money. It's like I'm going to be a superstar at this. And there are a lot of super right, right. smart, great people that come out of there, and that's what they do. You know, they're private equity guys. They run investments, right. and that's what they do. My takeaway from the investments class, you know, 10-week class, I, did, I, did, I learned a lot. I learned how to calculate a whole lot of stuff. My takeaway invest in the S&P, you know, spread out your portfolio, invest in the S&P 500 and have a, I say have a margarita, but I'll say have a bourbon. <laughs> you know, it, it's not worth it. Right. It's not worth it. Invest in the S&P 500 index if you want to invest sure. in large stocks yeah. or invest in whatever yeah, other index, yeah. have a bourbon. You yeah. know, my dad used to, he day traded for a while. Well, it was a job. Like, 
Yeah, he he made like I can't remember, and, and got to be like nerve wracking. I would oh, be exactly. Yeah, so stressful. He made like whatever sixty thousand dollars. It's like, uh, Dad, that basically was your salary for the year. It's like you you were stressed about this. You right, worked at this every right. day. Well, you made sixty grand. I mean, you could have made sixty grand doing this. You yeah, know, right? And half <laughs> the not, stress. Yeah, it's not worth it. You know. Yeah, some people make a make a lot. Right. Right. But does everybody make a lot? No, you know, it's just, it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it. So in your line of thinking, something that I've been exploring and, and have, I don't know, several years ago, even actually started and now I'm expanding even further, I think. But what I will say is just kind of put my financial world into autopilot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've, I have a number of, index funds that I have invested in for years. And I, you know, I just automatically send some money out into the account to like go and drop into those buckets every month. You know, I believe in that dollar cost average aspect. And, and now I've been thinking in in other terms, like how can I just really fully automate everything around the fund? So I don't have to worry about, I don't want to think about paying bills ever. You know, that's just, I just want to yeah. Similar to you. I was like, Hey, well, I don't want to waste my time on that. Well, so I'm like, listen, exactly. I'm like going to start automating everything, you know, paying my electric bill and doing everything else. And just yep. so I don't even have to think about it. So right on, I'm right with you, man. It's like, you know, if you looked at like my, you could call it a lot of things. You're like, what is my daily pain index or straight right, right. stress index versus like happiness? Pfft, not even close. Yeah. Because I, I manage that like a hawk. Because, you know, it's it's my life. Sure. And I'd, I'd rather get as much happiness every single day. Yeah, yeah. Every single day. Not like once every month, once every six months. Right. No, every, <laughs> every day. I, and that's, yeah. I'm sure that's some of the, like, the Iowa farmer coming out at me. It's like, we do it every single day, religiously. Yeah. Well, you're good stock from Iowa. It's what we do. Yeah, even the B team, but, you know, it's good. <laughs> oh, 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 ouch, ouch. Oh, that hurt. Boys across the river, you know. Neither one of us have an offense. So. Well, that's true. <laughs> Last time you were on the show, we talked, two years ago, we talked about the importance of building and having options in your business. You know, that thinking about the events of the last two years with the pandemic has has that impacted your options i know you oh yeah you know in that discussion you really outlined like hey i wanted to have options as i formed our business and what it is that we're doing you know for my family and things that they could do as you look now at your options or how you've crafted things or and what you're pursuing now has you know have you expanded your options the pandemic everything that's been going on is that how has that influenced Significantly. Absolutely. So I'll try to touch on a few different elements. So, yeah. So, so first of all, you know, in my business, we, we have like probably two thirds of the number of people, two thirds, yeah, two thirds of the number of people that we used to have. We're doing about the same amount of business and I've got like just a really focused crew that's there now. I haven't hired anybody in a while. I've been looking I've been looking, but I haven't hired anybody in a while because I haven't been able to, I haven't been able to find anybody that really wants right. to work. The right fit. Yeah. <laughs> or find anybody that wants to work 
that much in manufacturing. Right. It's it's it is hard. You hear this, and it's true. It is right. hard to find good people. Okay, got it. So let's. I mean, you could say, well, you can change that. Yeah, I'm working to change that, but I'll, I'll somewhat take that as a given. Okay, so if that is if that's a reality that I'm dealing with, then okay, it's like how do I how do I you know pivot or work on my option? It's like. What do I do with the people that I've got? Well, I've got an option of like I can move out less profitable stuff, just retain the higher profitable stuff, and keep maximizing higher profitable stuff. That's what we've done. So we have fewer people. We're making about the same amount of revenue. We're making more money because we're focusing on the right stuff. Mm. And you know, we're somewhat refocusing our strategies. So even mix, you know, and the and it and it makes a strategic sense too. It's like in the beginning we made a lot of the stuff in house because we were figuring out what does it really need to right. What does the dimensions really need to be? How do we really need to make this stuff? Well, we kind of worked that out internally. Now that we've got that worked out, I send a lot of the stuff outside because I outside I can get it made much more consistently and much more cost effectively than I can. And I don't have to worry about the people part of it. Right. It's like, great. This business is growing. I want more of these. You hire the people. Right. Right. Yeah. It's It's, outsourcing your business process. Right. That's not my, that's not my core competency. And, and it's a really hard thing to do right now. So it's like, you go figure that out and I'll figure out what we're really good at. So we're kind of, yeah, we're, I mean, we're changing our strategy every single day. You know, we're always moving towards a different goal. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I would say that my business is not like we haven't made big gap movements over the last couple of years, you know, because that's not who I am. Yeah. I mean, you just heard all about that. <laughs> that's not who I am. I mean, I make a lot of slow changes right. towards the same direction. I'm always running towards the same sun yeah, all the time. Making small course corrections. Incremental course corrections. Right. I mean, I, and trust me, that's, so it's another thing that I live with constantly. I am wrong a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm okay with that. And, you know, my, my ego is certainly okay with that, but I learned from it. Right. And that is, you know, yeah, that's one of the is you know you hit the brakes the car slides right. you just learn from being wrong there. Well, yeah, that is those. I mean, that learning you can apply to like everything. Sure, I can't think of many things you can't apply that to. Yeah, and I do that every day. I I'm humble enough to understand that I'm wrong a lot, and that I need a lot of people. And I well, I don't need a lot of people, but I mean, I need people's input you know, in different aspects of my life. And I course correct to those. I mean, I'm changing my course. And let's say if you wanted to track like 60 different tracks that I'm on, I'm course correcting like 50 of those almost on a daily basis. I mean, all the time, because yes, I'm a very logical person. I think of things as like formulas and inputs and variables and the variables are changing constantly. Inputs are changing constantly. The weather, you know, that's right, a, right. And there's so many variables. It's, you know, in a mathematical mind like mine, there's so many variables. It's not even funny. And you're just developing a better best fit equation constantly. Mm. 
So much good stuff out of that. One of the things I think just in that I pulled out of out of that that just struck me probably uh, the most kind of reflecting back in your earlier statements around leadership, you know, the role of a leader, things that you do as a leader. But you mentioned here just now as well that, you know, that you're humble enough to recognize when you're wrong. And I would say that also is a very important quality characteristic of a leader. You know, both ends of that statement, humble and understand when you're wrong and need to take a different direction. Because I think, man, if you can actually implement those characteristics, you can, I don't know, you can pull a lot of people along with you. Oh, for sure. You know, and, and to be clear, I want to be very clear about something too. I mean, of course, you know, you're a leader, whether you're Elon Musk or Jeff mm-hmm. Bezos, mm-hmm. let's put them mm-hmm. like way up on a pedestal or, right. you know, you're a dad. Right. Right. I mean, let's sure. I mean, of course, somebody will be offended if I call anything the lowest common denominator, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but let's say like, okay, being a dad, like, Kristen and I, you know, we share being the leader of our five-man crew. Right. You know, you're the leader. You and Kathy share the leadership of your four-man crew. I mean, you're, I mean, you want to talk about impact. Right. You are making a significant impact on your two kids every single day. Believe me, I know that. (laughs) When you were like rattling off the things, and I'm like, oh yeah, dad, (laughs) that is... So I think about that every day, yeah. every 10 minutes, it seems like, yeah. yes. And that, you know, that's a role. I mean, right. how many people do you and I share that role with? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Bill, millions in the United States and yeah. billions around the world. Right. How many leaders are there? I mean, I, I don't have enough fingers to count them. <laughs> right, right. It's a massive number. And every single yeah. one of those things that I talk about, you know, about being humble and stuff. I mean, yeah, I... Yeah, that applies in every single area of our life. And I mean, it applies to every single one of us. We can all be better. It's continuous improvement. Yeah. Good lessons. Good life lessons. I love that. All right. So just as always, even if it's the random show, we do have. And it's time for the seventh inning stretch. All right. I know you like baseball. I know you like college football a little better, which is, I I don't know if I'm going to go out to say I like it better, but I certainly love baseball and college football. I've got, this is a great story. So connecting, you know, I give you a hard time about being from Iowa, but connecting <laughs> Iowa with baseball. Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe the first thing that comes to mind when you think about Iowa and baseball and the history and what have you. It's maybe like that whole field of dreams, right? Do you ever see that movie? Oh, come on. Yeah. I've quoted that yeah. a million times. Yeah. I love that. That is That's a fantastic. great movie. So you got the field of dreams. Did you know last year opening day game of MLB was at the field of dreams, little stadium. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Oh, you knew that. Oh. I watched it. Oh, you watched it. Were you there live? What? No, no, no. Oh. no I wasn't there live. Oh, Dyersville, Iowa. Yeah, Dyersville, Iowa. Just oh. kind of in that northeast corner of yep. Iowa, a little yep. bit by Dubuque. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where it was. A little small, little eight thousand seat little stadium out there. Yeah, <laughs> very fun. Yeah. 
and Chicago, the two Chicago yeah. teams, they always have a lot of great history in Iowa baseball, but the Cubs, they have a farm team that's in Iowa as well as the White Sox. So yeah, very good. Um, a little more history. Do you know a little more history about the first field of dreams? Hmm. Hmm. Ah, I'm going to get you on this one. This is good. Right. <laughs> all right. I'm going to, I'm going to try to weave the story for you. All right. The original field of dreams in Iowa. All right. Predated the movie years and years and years. So there was a dad and his son. You can mm-hmm. kind of picture this, right? Mm-hmm. Dad and his son just out having a game of catch. The eight year old boy reportedly fires a ball so hard it broke three of the dad's ribs. Ooh. Coming away from that, this is in Iowa, by the way. All right. I want to be sure it's like this is the story is happening in Iowa. And yes. And so the dad at that point said, there might be something here. He built his son a ball field similar to the movie on their family farm in Van Meter, Iowa. Do you know where that is? You grew up around Des Moines, so. Intimately. Yes. The Iowa farmer built a diamond for his son, installed a generator, lights in the barn so they could have night practice. And it was William who taught his son, Bob, how to pitch. Hmm. All right. In July of 1936, at the age of 17 now, this young boy made his debut with an MLB team while still enrolled at Van Meter High School. Hmm. Impressive. Yes. Struck out 15 in his first start. And three weeks later, struck out 17. Wow. Yes. Hopefully he didn't hit any of them in the ribs. And then that next year, he graduated from Van Meter High School. Hmm. Here's your question. You ready? Yeah. Who is that player? Are you serious? <laughs> Bob Feller. Beautiful. All right. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Grew up in Van Meter, Iowa, ten miles away from my house. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know Van Meter intimately. Yeah. 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 Intimately. I'm sure you do. Yes. Knowing where I grew up, you knew every little town very oh. intimately around you. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that a great story, though? That is a phenomenal yeah. story. Now they have a museum there. Have you ever gone to the museum, the Feller Museum? So here's the sad part. I've oh, ne- no. I've, I've, I've never been to the museum. And, you know, driving to Des Moines on Interstate 80, Interstate right, 80, right. like L.A. to New York. Yeah, yeah. Runs right through Iowa. And I would see that, you know, Bob Feller Museum right. all the time. Probably like I, th- three times a week. And, I have no idea yeah. who he was. And I, I did know who he was, like going through college and stuff. Sure. And then when I moved to Cleveland, I I got a much greater appreciation who Bob sure, Feller was because sure. he's a large figure. Yes, yes. In the Cleveland Indians. Yes, yes. History. Yes. And so for the listeners, Bob Feller, longtime, uh, well renowned, respected Harold pitcher for at that time the Cleveland Indians and he had his whole career here with the Indians 18 years as a matter of fact and was fabulous and Hall of Fame inductee in 1962 yeah very impressive guy yeah very impre- you know he's 
He's from good stock, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Iowa. Good, good boy from Iowa. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yep. That's the way we build yeah, it, man. I know. And so, unfortunately, the farm is gone, but the red barn, though, is still there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I am going to have to go to that uh, museum. Go to the museum. Go Sometime check it out. Very soon. I love that story. So when the research team threw this at me, I'm like, really? I guess I didn't know the backstory of uh, Feller. And so I'm like, wow, that is that is a great story. Well, like, like I said, I mean, I, I knew who he was. I mean, I drove, we drove by it all right, the time. Right. I, knew, I knew who he was growing up. But then I, come, I came to Cleveland. It's like... Holy cow. It's like, yeah. these people are obsessed with it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, when we would go to things, they'd auction off stuff from Bob Filler. I'm like, wow. Well, so, just, I mean, so you say that they were obsessed with him, but so think about this, some, some of his numbers. So he won throughout his career, won 266 games, pitched three no hitters, right? Struck out 348 in a single season. Holy cow. Yes. That yeah. was amazing. So the guy, uh, obviously, incredible talent from Little Van Meter. That's an, beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Beautiful. A hero. A, a hero. hero. An Iowa hero. Absolutely. <laughs> He's one of them up there. Yeah, all right. All right. Let's get back into it. Play ball. All right, Phil. So I know, you know, we'll kind of stick on this lines of, you know, health and sports and that kind of thing. I don't know. Several months ago, you were in the office. And we started talking about health or whatever, and you had the aura ring. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still have yours. Yeah. You know, you as we discussed, I'm like, wow, that is really cool. And I probably a month later I went out and got my own as well, and I dig it. Did you upgrade to the aura three or? I, you know, I didn't. Okay. So it it gives me a lot of data on sleeping. Right. You know, sleeping gives me a lot of this stuff. So you know, it shows me obviously like how many hours I sleep. I can I could figure that out if I had to, but right. it keeps track of it for me. Movements, heart rate. So as you know, a lot of heart rate, movement information, breathing information while you're sleeping, which of course is just paramount in the amount of paramountly important to the amount of energy that you have every right, single day. Right. You know, it's like, are you ready to go like snow blow the driveway? Right, and it's right. like, yeah, let's yeah. go do a podcast now. Let's go. <laughs> it's very important to that. But actually, so talk about options and pivots. So as I was heading into this year, we've done a lot of product development. I, you know, and we're doing more with fewer people. I'm spending time out on the shop and it's like, well, Hmm. It's like people call and they call call our number right. and they hit sales and they expect to talk to me. Right. So how can I how can I make sure that I'm available? So, you know, I basically invested in an Apple Watch with like the cellular and all that okay. stuff and the AirPods. So it's like, yeah, I, you know, perfect example. And I can make several examples. Like a couple days ago, I'm out there running the paint line, helping the guys because we're short. That takes a lot of people. So I'm actually running part of it. So I'm out there running it. And at the same time, sure, I'm taking a call from, you know, a gentleman in Paris, you know, with a family business. Hey, I want to talk to you about mixers. So I try to step into a quiet area, talk to him, and then back on it, you know. (laughs) So, so yes, I do the aura ring, but I – the big part that they stepped up, I think an aura three, which is mm, the new one mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of like the daily monitoring. Right. Well, 
I get it. Now all your Apple watch Apple is, watch, yeah. yeah, I do yeah. Apple fitness, you know, it's like, sure, as sure. we've talked, you're kind of in the Google universe and yeah. I'm in the Apple universe, you know, we're like competing universes. Yeah, I know. Each other. I know. <laughs> and it's like, so I do all that Apple stuff and it tracks all my steps, blah, right, blah, blah. Right, so we right. get all my activities or it gets all my sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I find the whole wearables and technology. I am so, uh, that really fascinates me because I, oh, similar to you and you think about tech, you know, and, and I, I really love tech. I should, you know, in my industry, but the whole wearables and where that's going and nanotechnology. And you know, I know there will be a time and I really, it'll happen in my lifetime. I will be able to have a chip implanted something that I will just have the ability ability to do so much more from a pure wearables and meaning I think it'll be like where I could just think and have a conversation with my (laughs) wife who's, you know, eight miles away. I think it'll be like, yeah, that's freaky, but I don't know. I I'm telling you some of the technology that's out there and the capability of some of this stuff is it's not that far away. I don't oh, think it's amazing. You know, I mean, I'll admit I look at it every single morning and see. Yeah, what it so is. do I. I. Yeah, I kind of I know what's going on. You know, I know how I feel. I know what time right. I went to bed. I know how I. I pretty much know how I slept. But you know, it gives me data every single day. And a, and the most important question is like, so what do I? Okay, that's that's all data. That's interesting. But what do I learn? Right. What do I learn? So for me, you know, what, what have I, so changing behavior. Yeah. So has it made any change in my behavior? Yes. A couple things. I don't sleep very well if I eat too late. Yes. I mean, of course, we yes. talk about meat sweats or whatever. Right. We're like sure. Midwest guys are yeah. talking about yeah. meat sweats. <laughs> <laughs> like if I eat too late, I don't sleep very well. Yep. So I try to eat two hours before I go to sleep or sometimes I'll even stay, I'll make myself stay awake so that I can, you know, spend a couple hours before I go to bed. So eating and drinking, yes, eating and drinking alcohol. I try not, you know, I have probably, I probably, you know, I probably, I'm sure, I'm sure that I have decreased my consumption of alcohol since I started wearing it because I can see the effect that it has on my sleep. Right. And eating late on the alcohol side, it probably has, I probably have decreased as well, if I'm honest with it, even though, but I, really what it's done is to say, Hey, if I have a bourbon at, you know, we'd started at one thirty here in the afternoon, you know, to tell people, <laughs> which is unusual for us. Not that yes. This is a daily yes. Occurrence. I do not. I do. Yeah. I do not usually sit around the office and have bourbon, but if I have a bourbon, like at one thirty or three o'clock or four o'clock, it has very minimal impact, if at all, on my sleep that night. Right. If I have a bourbon at eight o'clock or at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock, if I'm out with some guys and we're having a drink, now I begin to think about what do I have to do tomorrow? What am I, what am I scheduled for tomorrow? Do I yeah. need to be on, right? right? What, what is my level of engagement need to be? Because I know I'm not going to get a great night's sleep typically. Right. And, you know, I always knew that if, of course, if I, on those rare occasions that I would overindulge or get overserved, yeah. you know, I knew it could be a rough day the next day, but even just one, I found even if I have a bourbon at nine o'clock at night, 
I don't, you know, it absolutely impacts my sleep. And, and so that from a behavioral change that I'm like, all right, I'm not going to do that unless it's something I'm going out with some guys or something. But I don't, you know, I used to like, yeah, probably maybe two, three nights a week, I would have a bourbon at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, maybe and wind down or whatever. Nah, I cut that stuff out. Yeah. Same thing. I, I used to think about it the same way. It's like, ah, oh, let's have like a nightcap, yeah, or something. Yeah. Now I'd be like, no, like let's let's have an evening cap. Let's yeah. Like a- yeah. Yeah. Because I really like how I feel in the morning better right. Right. <laughs> if I don't have that. Yeah. The other thing with the the wearable now is you know the or it, it gives you as well body temperature. So and it's like, hey, you're, it gives you a right. baseline, and then if you deviate, it gives you. And like just oddly, this morning I was looking at my data, and my body temperature was elevated like 0.8 above my baseline, and it mm-hmm. gave me like, hey, you know, and gave me a little right. indication of like. And what I have found, I don't know if you've gone through. My wife probably did, even though she tested negative for it, but we all came down with COVID right after Christmas, like literally right after Christmas, like the very, you know, two days later. And when I was watching my data, it was amazing to see like just specifically this body temperature, how it spiked while I was going through COVID, not because I was running a temperature because I really, you know, if I took the you know, a temperature with a regular thermometer wasn't indicating anything, but it was a deviation of when I was sleeping that was being recorded through the aura that demonstrated my body was fighting something. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Completely agree. I saw it when I, when I took the vaccine shot, you know, the, the second vaccine and then even the booster, it's like, one degree, one degree higher, like both those nights. I could feel it, and oh, yeah, it was clear as day. It was right there. And even, yeah, even interestingly, so, yeah, we took a Christmas vacation to Puerto Rico. We talked oh, yeah, about that yeah. a little bit. And yeah. It was awesome. Puerto Rico was fantastic. And and we tested, we all tested negative before we went there. You know, we kept having negative tests. But while we were there one night, I mean, so weird. It's like I even walked on the beach that night with my daughter. You know, I mean, I was moving around. Right. I didn't feel great. I felt pretty hot. And, you know, of course, we were always kind of warm compared to sure. <laughs> there. But, you know, I went to bed that night and then got up the next morning, three degrees. And I was like baking all night long. Wow. I was three degrees above normal, which, you know, you think that's huge. Yeah. 98 points. What? 98.6 is normal, right? Well, that's huge because I just know in tracking my own data, like for me, like looking at it this morning, I was 0.8 over. I'm like, wow, that's really big. Yeah. But three, three is, I was cooking. I was medium rare (laughs) in the morning time I was cooking, but in the morning, good. Really? Very strange that I got over. So you didn't have fast. You don't think you had COVID, or you don't know. You were always I, testing negative. I was. We were always testing negative. So I, I don't knows? know. I don't know. A, Who knows? Maybe I been a bad burrito. Yeah, <laughs> could have been. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know what happened. Yeah. Whether it's food poisoning. Whether I too like, much bourbon, uh, pina coladas. What are you drinking no, in Puerto no. Rico? There. Yeah, lots gotta, of. That's where the pina colada was invented. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, we. But I can't even remember what rum and drinking in rum. Did you tour a little rum? We didn't, but there is like the cane party. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They have huge uh, sugar cane plantations there. And 
Yeah, a lot of processing going on there. Lots and lots of that stuff. I mean, you know, we we focused, we did a lot of... I, it was know. a family vacation. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> we did a lot of it. Yeah, it was a family. Come on, man. The kids were there. All right. Randy, come yes, on. Yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> All right. Yes, I can hardly wait. All right. Hey, so thinking over the last couple of years, your show, I loved your when you were first on uh, the show because we were just, you know, in May of 2020, right? And it was like six weeks or so before everything just got shut down and we were talking about, wow, you know, just that challenge and the fear and everything, right, was going on. So thinking over, you know, now in retrospect over the last couple of years, what has been your biggest challenges, both professionally and personally, whether it's related to the pandemic or not? But hmm. I would say, may sound cliche but courage you know, having, just having the guts, mm. having the courage, and I'm sure every, I share this with a lot of people, the courage, the courage, like move forward. It's like, wow. And you know, not, not that, I mean, I'm, I'm probably like the farthest from a germaphobe or anything like that. I wasn't like afraid to go out in the society or anything. I wasn't right. really afraid of catching anything. I was like, you know, if I catch something, it's like, I'm going to beat it. Right. It's like, <laughs> and I'm going to see how quickly I can beat it. You know, <laughs> that's just, that's just the way I'm wired, but you know, sure, sure. In business, it's like, I mean, certainly, I mean, I, I employ a few people, not a huge crew, you know, but a few people and Yeah. People were out. It's like, all right, you know, what am I going to do now? It's like, I've got to cover for this person for a week. Okay. Right, right. Like, you know, we can get through this and yeah, it's like, you're going to be out. Okay. You're going to, you're out with COVID. Like we'll figure this out. It's going to happen for a while. You know, some people, some off, some of my office folks, the great job. It's like, even though they're out sick with COVID, it's like, Hmm, Phil, like I know how to run payroll. I know that you can do it but you're not going to be very efficient at it. And they know that I hate not being efficient. <laughs> they, they know, they don't know the whole frontier story, but efficient frontier, but right. they know me yeah. and they're like, you know, I'll do it. You know, I will log on this day. Just right. get me this information and I can do it. So, but still just like, just the courage to keep moving forward. And it's like, you know, of course. Yeah. You never know. I mean, you look back at the Spanish flu or you right, hear about right. that. It's like, how did that react? And it sounds like we're following pretty much the same trajectory that that did as well. Right, right. It's like, duh, this has happened before. Right, <laughs> right. This, this isn't the first time the world has ever dealt with this kind of stuff. It's happened before and this is the way it played out. Well, hey, no big surprise. It's right. playing out right now. Okay, go on with your lives. But you, you still, you don't know. You know, yeah, we both had kids. It's like, what is the future going to look like for them? Yeah. But I don't know. I, so I say that courage was probably my biggest challenge. But at the same time, I will say that I, I'm an optimist. I believe in options. I believe in pivoting. And I don't think there's anything that I can't overcome. You know, like I, I was actually just having this discussion mm. with, one of my kids the other night, it's like, well, you know, if like, let's say, okay, we got their car fixed and it, and it costs a lot of money. Right. And I said, and we were talking about budgets It's great. It's like they're starting, they're, te- they're 17, they're starting to understand. Right. It's like, right. well, I want to prepare, I want to make this much money because I want to be able to spend like, and we try to really empower our kids with like, you know, we say, okay, Christmas, 
you know, we, we used to buy them all gifts. They're younger. Now they're all teenagers. So we're like, here you go. Here's like, here's 400 bucks. Knock yourself out. Do right. what you want to do. Right. You pick what you're going to spend it on. Because if I try to spend $400, I'm probably going to pick some things you don't like. <laughs> Get some junk and that's right. Yeah. They're probably going to be like, oh, dad. Oh my gosh. Why did you buy this? So I'm like, here you go. You, you, I mean, it's just like driving. Like you need to be, I'm not going to take a right. three-year-old right. and force them into situations right. of maturity, but I'm definitely going to take high yeah. schoolers and I'm going to be like, Hey, here you go. Here's some responsibility. Right. Go well, do it. Like, now, especially it's in a, a safe environment, right? How yeah. bad can they fail when they're still at home with you? Right. Right. Yeah, I'd, exactly. I'd, I'd let my kids fail today. I don't care. Oh. It's, it's not going to be the end of the world and I'm there to help and whatever support, whatever I can. 10 years when they're out on their own and they fail, you know, I'll still be there, hopefully, knock on wood. But, right. you know, it's could be potentially more consequential. Right, for sure. But, you know, so I, so I look at like, right. okay, right. we repair your car. It costs this much. You know, I could look at that and say, hmm, it's like, all right, so we need to do A, B, and C. You know, we're only going to do A and B because that's the only amount that I can spend on the car this month. I could be like, I'm just, I'm of an entrepreneurial mindset. I'm like, this we need to do. It's important enough. I will say, I'm going to spend the money. Now I'm going to go find it. Right. Because I know I can go find it. I don't know where. Right. I have no idea where it's going to come from. You know, but it's like, I, but I do know I can find it. I have an, you know, unwavering kind of confidence in myself. It's like, I'll solve it. Right. I know I can solve it. Whatever it is. I love that. I I have a very similar or exact kind of approach and I call it whatever. I, I have the mindset as well that there is no shortage of money. I think, and and regardless of whether, I'm very similar. Maybe that's some of the farm boy in us that I just, well, I could fix that. I can do that. Right. You know, I could figure it out. I, I just figure it out. I just have that innate Sure, I can do that. You know, I'll figure that out. Right. I, and you're me, not like stupid. It's like, yeah, yeah I'm going to buy this Lamborghini and I'll just figure it out. Uh, yeah. No. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> but in most life challenges, I think I can figure it out. You know, I'll go, I'll learn, I'll, I'll study, I'll research. What I, I think I can do this. But I do have this uh, optimism and, and mindset that the world is so flush with opportunity, money, opportunity that... I, <laughs> I'll figure something out. I need more money. Sure. I'll figure that out. You know, we'll, whatever that may be. And, and, and it's instilling that a bit with our children is, you know, that mindset, I think it's, you know, that's always a challenge. And that, yeah. that is, like you said, that's a very, that's a very, you know, challenging thing to instill in your kids. And sure. It's like my, my, my kids know this, like they, my girls have been complaining to me about you know, their car, the car that we, you know, we're providing you a car. Right, right. <laughs> you don't have to walk everywhere. We're providing you a car. And like, oh, but, you know, it smells and this is wrong and this is wrong and yeah. this is wrong. And, you know, they'll start complaining and their mom and I, you know, not not like we're trying to penalize them for anything. And their, their mom and I, Kristen, will just look at me, you know, it's like, it's okay. Like you'll make it, <laughs> you'll figure it out. And yeah. you know, sure. It's like we repair things and like, right. Oh, this is the way it's supposed to be. But they realize, and, and I feel fantastic. I, I love it because they're like, yeah, they're driving like a 2009 car. 
Right. That's okay. It's got probably 175,000 miles on it. And I do that on purpose. Right. They're safe. They're safe. They can get places, but I do it on purpose. Like, could I, especially since a business is doing well, could I like buy them a brand new, you know, Jeep or whatever that they would be like, yes, that's what I want. Right. I could, I, you know, we're, we're guys that we could figure it out. I right. could figure it out. I could make that happen. Am I going to do that? Not on your life. Right. Because they need to understand this. Right. They need to experience Agreed. that. Agreed. I mean, you know, yeah. because, you know, sure, I didn't drive great cars all the time, you know, but I learned a lot from it. So yeah. Yeah. they get that all the time. They're like, dad, we get it. It's like, man. Other other kids get given stuff, and we have to work for it a little bit. And they're like, we kind of appreciate that. I think so. I completely agree with that. It's, I think it. I think it gives kids though. Well, I will say it certainly it did for me when I had to work for something because I I wanted something and I had to go work for it. It wasn't going to get given to me. Right. I appreciated it far greater, and I took care of it whether it was a vehicle or whatever it was, I respected that item at, right. a, at a much higher level, I think, than probably if if I if it was just given to me. Because I realized the effort that it took to acquire that thing. Right. Um, and, and, you know, to be clear, it's like, yeah, as a parent, it's like it would probably be easier for uh, me just sure. to give them the easy path. Sure. It's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a pain in the butt for me. Yeah. It's like I'm out there fixing the car here and there. I'm doing this and that. I'm listening to them. I'm coaching them on it. Right. That all takes a lot of time. It's yes. like I could I could do something that's a much interesting. So this may be this may be kind of bucking against my efficient frontier philosophy. It's yeah. like I could have an easier path, but that's but this is the right path. You know, but see, see there you go, right there. That this is the right path. Because sometimes in the lessons that you're trying to teach your kids is not always the easiest path. Oh, because usually it's the hardest the, path. The life lessons are not easy, right? You know, we've we've lived them. We're trying to instill those lessons right. for them in an easy way. They may not recognize it as that way. That's so funny you even talk about that because I I don't know. Last month, to in December, my wife was driving. She got a flat tire somehow. I have no idea. And not far, literally like eight houses, five houses down from our house. Even she pulled into a, their driveway and called me and it was snowing. It was middle of December, right? And cold. And I told Nick, like, all right, Hey, we're going to go down and change this tire. And he looked at me like, what? <laughs> Why don't you just call AAA and have them come out and do it? And actually, my wife even said the same thing. I'm like, no, come on, we're going to go down and take yeah. care of this. It's a few doors down. It, yes. Come on. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a good lesson and it was yeah. fun to do oh, that yeah. with they, my son. And, and they do, they think I'm kind of nuts sometimes yeah. because yeah, the, yeah, we had, we had a flat in the summertime. Like, yeah. yes. I'm like, let's change it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're so weird. <laughs> oh, I have to be honest with you. I have not had to change a flat tire in years. Oh, same. I had to look up online because I couldn't even find where the hell the uh, spare tire was on this fan. I'm like, where is this? It's It was not where I was expecting it to be. Right. <laughs> it was actually way 
almost under the front passenger seat is where it was. Not quite that far forward, but almost right there on this Toyota van. I was like, wow. Yeah. So anyway, so that was fun. We had a good time. All right. So here we are. We're moving along here. It seems like, I don't know, I still have some bourbon, so I'm still going to throw out some stuff to you. And this is kind of a nice back again previous show, we were having the conversation about having the right mindset to navigate the world and the environments that we're in. Any additional lessons you can think about from a mindset standpoint? Yeah. Yeah. And even, yeah, through the last couple of years in COVID. So like I said, I'm, you know, accountant by training, you know, so you would think, okay, concert farmer, I, well, not farmer. I, I wouldn't really, I can't respectfully call myself a farmer, not out of respect to People that do that, I can't call myself a farmer. I grew up in Iowa. I grew up on a With you know, land. farmland. Yes. Yeah. So you'd say, okay, you're a pretty conservative person. And and, and you're right. <laughs> but let's say like during COVID, for example, the U.S. government, God bless them. It's like through the SBA, they gave a lot of different programs to small business, including things like, you know, a loan, an IDA loan, EIDL loan. I'm an accountant. I have a finance background. So I understand numbers and money stuff pretty well. And I saw things like, okay, you can get this loan for 30 years amortization, three and three quarter percent fixed. And, you know, I'm like, hmm, okay. It's like, I know, I just, I, I, I know I can see what's going on out there. I know that inflate, you know, I've been saying sure. this for like a year. It's like, they're saying, well, inflation is transitory. It's like, no, it's no. not. No way. <laughs> no way possible. Right. You insert this much money into the money supply, inflation is going to happen. It's like, yeah. don't you yeah. understand how world currencies work? It's right. like right. inflation is going to happen. Hopefully, you know, we're the United States. We won't come to a devaluation. I don't, we're not going to do that. No, I don't but think inflation, so. Inflation, but inflation is going to, I mean, we've been lulled into 2 to 3%, probably 2% for several years. We're old enough to not have experienced it, but at least to remember when inflation happened when we were younger. And it was just painfully obvious right. to me that inflation is coming. It's yeah. coming and it's going to be here for a few years. Okay, got it. And then it's like, okay, great. So you're offering this money at this time. It's like, hmm, should you borrow the money? And I'd say, so this is this has been a challenge for me. It's like I would usually I'm conservative, but I'm like, heck yes. It's like go get it. What do they call that? Like a negative rate borrowing or something like that? Something about a negative well, rate because it's an the, arbitrage. The money you're borrowing is at three and a quarter or three quarter, whatever you stated, but inflation is at seven. So, you know, and so that gap, you're like, I am borrowing below the rate of what you know. Yeah, so it's a this it's negative rate computation that's just essentially it makes it a no-brainer because it you're makes it a no-brainer yeah, and i yeah, told you yeah. know talk to told as many people as i could i'm like go get that right get get that and get as much as you can and we come back to you know it's it's all the same themes right sure. then it's options like okay great now you've got it so what are you going to do with it do you have do you have capital money that you need to, do you need right, to buy right. new equipment do you need to do things can you learn better than three and three quarter percent return on that equipment do it 
You know, you, you almost would like say, write down all of your opportunities with the highest return to the lowest and keep going until you either run out of money of this borrowed money right. or until you start hitting. It's like, hmm, yeah, I could do this, but I'm going to get a 2% return. Okay. Don't do it. Right. <laughs> it's, I mean, the math is simple. It's very simple. Yeah, yeah. So yes, get the money first because it's here for a limited period of time and then invest and do all those things and then stop when you hit a certain point. And, you know, let's say, Hey, Phil, I've like exhausted my options. I'm down to things where it's, you know, and I've got $200,000 left. Great. You've got an option. That term loan says you can prepay it back without a penalty. Give the money back, right? You know, or you know, sure, like you know, investing in corporate bonds that are paying like five percent, <laughs> and you can arbitrage, you know, one hundred twenty-five basis points, oh, sure, one point two five percent, just earn the money by doing nothing, mm-hmm. or return the money, right? Great, maybe, maybe you know, and it's all about risk, risk reward. Maybe you sleep better knowing that you paid it back. Okay, great, pay it back. Yeah, like just get it first and then pay it back. So, I guess the lesson is for me, you know. Even though I'm conservative, even in times of peril, it's like recognize the opportunity and go, man. It's like push the accelerator, pour gas on the fire. Like you got to, in certain circumstances, you've got to go, just go for it. And that's, that's what I did. I'm still, still in the process of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, God bless the U S government for helping out small businesses. Cause they helped out a lot, a lot. Oh my gosh. Yes. There's so many businesses, you know, I talk about a lot of businesses, so many people I've talked with. Thank God that various programs out there were like that, where small businesses yeah. could tap into because it was essentially the lifeline for yeah. them. The government, yeah. SBA, God bless them. It's like yeah, they yeah. say they did as much as they, you know, yes, they inserted a lot of money in the money supply, but you know, it, yeah. it's, it's the largest economy in the world. You know, it's a great, the greatest economy, you know, I'll say great. And there are a lot of people that dispute that, but <laughs> it is the largest economy in the world. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I know I grew up here <laughs> right in the middle of the country, but it is the best country in the world. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Hands down. All right. So typically in this stage of the show, we're kind of at the bottom of the ninth. You know, I'd ask about advice for rookies in the game. But instead of that particular question, as your kickback, your last. You said it was a ninth inning. Drammel of (laughs) bourbon there. Yes. How about what's just around the corner for Phil and for even mix? Not an even mix, but just Phil even. You know, you give you're full of insight and great hmm. Iowa wisdom and I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. See, yeah. yeah. See now I, I've germs? been, I've been drinking a lot of bourbon too. Hey, I'm <laughs> yeah. complimenting your Iowa-ness. Yeah. I was going to say that's a, that's a, that's a term of respect. Your Iowa <laughs> wisdom. Wow. I don't think I've ever heard that combination of words come out of your mouth. <laughs> Not out of mine. Typically. <laughs> Huh. So what's coming up? Well, you know, I mean, it, it, a lot of it's about like what's happening in your family. You know, my right. kids are getting ready for college. My fraternal twin girls, you know, they're juniors this year. They'll be seniors next year. So college is a very, that's a big decision. Like we, right. as we right. talked, you know, in my development, there's a big, massive milestone decision you make in your life. Right. So them making that decision, that's a, that's a big deal for them. Spring break, you know, we're going and touring a bunch of colleges and stuff like that. And of course, you know, the cost of college is 
crazy out of control is crazy. really really high but you know even having said that there are a lot of you know a lot of great bargain or not bargains but you know values out there and cool universities to go see so i'm super looking forward to that doing that with my kids even mix you know we're growing a lot you know still significantly in the united states and we're even growing quite a bit and we're starting to get foothold and established partners in South America and in Central America. We're kind of focusing on that first because the digital mixer sure, is 120 sure. volts, you know, so we, we're trying to stay on the same electric system. And then we're going to go to 220 so mm -hmm. we can go into mm -hmm. Europe and Africa and Asia. But, you know, so, so even mix this next year, what's in the future? It's like expanding globally, you know. Taking over the world, yes. one mixer at a time. <laughs> Curl the little mustaches. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so you know, growing even makes a lot. I mean, yeah. that is just so. I mean, I know we share that passion. Yeah, it's yeah. So much fun, and you know, it, it it helps when you're having success. You know, yeah, it's, it's a lot more fun when you're successful. <laughs> you have wind at your sails. It's yeah. like the world, the path is a lot easier. Yeah. So we're we're going to be growing that quite a bit. Yeah, going through with my family, the college selection process, which personally I've already told my girls, I'm like, I'm a little pissed that we didn't start doing this in the fall mm. because you don't understand how much fun that could have been for oh, me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I know we've talked about this before, but I know that we've, you know, had this discussion around that the band is going to be, you know, mm. we're not going to be together again. You know, yeah. this will never be. And, and, and I think about my son is, yeah, it's just a grade behind your girls. And, you know, I'll, I'll be there in a year from now and thinking about, and we're already starting to, you know, plan. We're, we're, we have been doing vacations the last, I don't know, maybe the last year, but with the idea of, Hey, if there's a major university, wherever we're going, let's, you know, swing through. Let's go just go take a look at it. Just not because you're interested in it, but just to, so you see what a university campus is, right? Right. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I, I so look forward to so several things, but like road trip with my girls. Sure. And hopefully John will come along too. I mean, I'm going to kind of give him the choice. Right, it's right. like, hey, you can come with us. You can stay back with mom, you know, because yeah. she's, she's, she's actually in a school system where we have different spring breaks. So, but, oh my gosh, taking a road trip for a week with my girls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's nothing better. Yeah. Uh, so I that'll be fun. Totally look forward to that. You know, totally look forward to a lot of great moments on, uh, you know, we have Lake House and I right, love right. being on the water. Yeah. Grew up a lot of time down at Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. And uh, so, yeah, like going to Lake Chautauqua and just like wake surfing and just being on the water, just hanging out with friends. Love to see you out there. Randy, oh, man. Family. And yeah, we just have so much fun. Like I said, I mean, you know, it gets back to it's like my fun index versus stress index. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm working on optimizing that every single day. Yeah, I dig that. I know. I know. Being, being on the lake is a big part of that. Oh. A super big part of that. I'm going there going there tonight. Good for you. It's frozen. but <laughs> it's frozen. Now, you've had enough bourbon. Maybe John will be you know, in the right side driving, yeah, yeah. <laughs> steering. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, listen, Phil, thanks for coming back and being part of the uh, random show experience. 
Absolutely. Love having you. Love chatting with you. We'll, we'll have game three with you down the road, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would be my pleasure. <laughs> All right. And listen, folks, that's a ball game. Thanks for joining us today. And if you like our show, please tell your friends, subscribe and review, and we'll see you around the ballpark. Running the Bases with Small Businesses is brought to you by 38 Digital Market a digital marketing agency committed to client growth with lead generation, higher conversions, and increased sales. Connect with us today at 38digitalmarket.com.